You're with Cara and Accentuating the Positive on FM 99.3. And I have on the phone fascinating woman, Jen Harwood. She calls herself the generator. I love it. Good morning, Jen. <laughs> good morning. Good morning. I just need to confess here that my clients call me the generator. <laughs> <laughs> so how would you describe yourself? People still don't know who you are or what you do. Sure, the generator, sure. not the terminator, um, <laughs> but the, gem, the generator. Obviously the pun on Jen, Jen Harwood, the generator. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, look, I'm a motivational speaker and a business coach and an author, and I've been working in the area of small business for the last 15 years. Fabulous. And I guess I've earned my stripes because I've worked with over 1,100 businesses in the last 15 years one-on-one. Fantastic, yeah. In that time, what I've found is that there's some patterns of people in business and what happens to them and why their businesses fail. So I've started having a look at it, and I realised over the years I've been coaching businesses in a certain way that cause results that stop them going bankrupt, that stop the businesses falling over and also marriages and relationships stop them falling over because once we get in there, we start figuring it out. So I guess my clients have called me the generator because we generate action and results and I guess from a coaching point of view, small business is the lifeblood of of community and I I like to see communities thrive. So that's sort of where it comes from and I've Mm. I've done that in regional Australia and all over Australia and cities and, and overseas as well. Wow, honey, you sound like another busy gal, another passionate <laughs> busy gal. And tell me, so you've obviously identified some principles that are both mental, emotional and action principles yep. that work both in business and in relationship. I have actually. And what I wanted to do was be able to let lots of people know about this rather than them having to come to work with me because, you know, yeah. that gets a bit tiring. But what I found is that In the businesses and the business owners that I've worked with, both men and women, so this isn't a man thing or a woman thing, what I've figured out is there are eight relationships that you need to have active to be great. Okay. The whole adage of behind every great man, there's a great woman or vice versa is really old school because in that model, the spouse would give up their life. And in most of the cases, like in my grandmother's day, she would give up her life to support her husband to be great and she'd listen to him and she'd counsel him and she'd suggest ideas and she'd be all sorts of things to him to cause that to happen but in today's modern society that's just not on we need both people to work both women want to work men want to work men want to care for kids women want to care for kids so if you're going to create a great career or a great business then you need these eight relationships to give you an example of what I'm talking about is that if you take a tennis player a great one. Yes. Who's your favourite tennis player that's at world level? <laughs> oh, don't ask me that. Roger I don't Federer. watch the tennis. That's all right. Some people don't watch the tennis. Some people watch the footy. Let's say Roger Federer or Steffi Graf, right? Roger Federer, yeah, let's go with him. When you see the grand final at the tennis, you go to their corporate box and they show their mum or their dad or their girlfriend or their boyfriend yes. sitting in the box. Yes. And what you find sitting in that box is not just one person. There's the mum, the dad, the brother, the sister, the boyfriend, the girlfriend, or both, depending on who they are, Um, the coach, the physio specialist, the PR person, the endorsement person, and the best friend. And you've got a whole box of people sitting there that support that one superstar out the front. 
The team, the team. Yeah. Yeah, it takes a team. What do they say? It takes a village to raise a child? It does, but it also takes this team, and it's what I've called and coined the greatness principle. The principle is you need to surround yourself with people that are investors in you. Right. I love this, Jenny. I just love it. I love it. Yeah, I'm learning. Well, I'm learning. <laughs> okay, okay. So when you said this, because what your listeners probably don't know is you have no idea about the book I've written and the work that I've been doing. When you said it comes down to some mental support, some emotional support and physical support, yes. well, you do that. In the eight roles around you, there are certain roles that are designed to activate you mentally, yes. to let you bounce ideas off, to start planning and scheming things through in your life or in your business. But then there's the emotional side of people that just believe you 100% and cheer you like your personal cheer squad, even if you make mistakes. The fan club, yeah. Yeah, your fan club. And then there's others that call you into action. There's, you know, one of those roles is that I call the catalyst. And this might be someone in your life that you absolutely hate. (laughs) You don't like being near them. You don't like listening to them. You hate being anywhere and they're connected with this person because what that person actually does, whether you like them or you don't, they're actually an activist or a catalyst in your life that causes you to either own up to something, fester something, be something more, or take steps forward or backwards depending what that is. Your catalyst can be positive or negative. They might say something that completely, you know, your jaw drops going, oh, I've never thought of that, I'm going to do it. Or like a girl I went to school, the teacher said to her that she'd never amount to anything. And that was the catalyst relationship that caused her to go and be great. Fantastic. Right? So there's that other side that calls you into movement and to being. But what's interesting when I started doing the research on this, because I was focusing on small business, there's some stats that came out of the Harvard Business Review a few years ago. And it said that two out of five new CEOs will fail in their first 18 months on the job. Because? Because they fail to build partnerships with subordinates and people around them. There you have it. So they don't get their... 82% of new leaders are going to fall over because they're trying to do it by themselves. That's so interesting. They they didn't gather their team around them, their support team. Look, I love this because, you know, as you say on your website and as you said on on the show, behind every great man or behind every great woman is a partner. It cannot fall on one person. And you know what? It just can't because what I found is if you lean on that one person, everybody is responsible for building their greatness wheel. It's what I call the greatness wheel. Mm -hmm. You're all responsible for creating your own greatness wheel. And these people you surround yourself with, they're alive because I deal with people that, you know, have lost someone fabulous in their life yeah. and they haven't replaced that person. Right. And yeah. so they have they struggle in life in that area because, I mean, my mum died a few years ago and it's really sad and I really miss her and she contributed a lot to me and my life, but I can't have a living conversation with her. Yeah. I need to replace who she was for me and my greatness wheel with somebody here. So when people start to realise that you're responsible for your own life to be great, which means that your partner in life, whether you're married to them or not, the main person in your life can be one role for you, not seven of them. Not seven, not eight. As not you say. even eight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's not, if they're spending all their time supporting you in your life, they don't have a life. They don't have a life. 
And they'll fall over because there's nothing interesting, nothing fabulous and nothing great going on in their life because their whole life is you. And they get burnt out and you usually break up anyway. <laughs> well, they get resentful. Resentful. They, they get unhappy. Yeah. You get unhappy because they're boring and all they're doing is focusing on you. And, yes. you know, as much as we all want someone to pick up after us and look after us. It is boring when someone's purely focused on you. Yeah, it's boring. <laughs> Uh, hallelujah, I've been there. <laughs> I think we all have. But from a leader point of view and a business owner point of view, I deal with small business owners. And for example, the business owner can't expect his wife to be everything to him. Yeah. And and, and I'm a woman in business. I yeah. can't expect my husband to be everything for me. Mm. It's not fair. I want him to be my husband. Wow. I don't need him to be my catalyst and everything else. Ah, oh, look, Jen, this is such great advice. I'm really learning something here. <laughs> Now, tell me, how did you discover this? What was your journey? How did you come to this? Obviously, you learnt by making some mistakes and maybe leaning on one person and one person wasn't enough. Or, or I did. I came from a family that was very well grounded. My dad was a man of the land and he married this beautiful woman who was travelling all over the world, my mum, Cass. And, you know, they'd been married for 40 years. So they found... Oh, I'm going to get emotional. <laughs> the foundation of my life was very solid. Yeah, and who mum and dad were for each other and how they supported themselves was just natural. They didn't talk about it because I guess they didn't really think about it. Yeah. But when I left home and I went to uni and I left the country and I went to the city, I then had to start fending for myself without the shelter of home, I suppose. Yeah. And I made some good choices and I made some pretty bad ones. Yeah. What I found is I was trusting people that I shouldn't and I was sharing with people that I probably shouldn't. And they were either taking advantage of me or they were ripping me off or, you know, I lost money and um, I lost self-respect at some point there as well because, you know, I was listening to people that didn't have my best interest at heart. And you must have lost a bit of trust in human nature too, being a country girl coming into the city. The yeah. Country where people are so open and friendly. Did you close down and become a bit citified? I did, but I was so connected to my family that that didn't matter. Although my family thought that I had become that. Right, okay. (laughs) I literally, I didn't go home, living in the city, going to uni, creating my career, setting up my business. It was all about, you know, what I could do and who I could be. So technically I was completely up myself and (laughs) I was doing it all by myself. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I then got to the age of 31 and I was divorced with no children and I was $70,000 in debt. Wow. And that was on five credit cards. Wow. And I was too ashamed to go home because I completely screwed up. Oh, right. And, you know, for people listening to this, some people would go, well, that's nothing. Me. Businesses that I work with and, and the executives I work with, some of them go, that's just, you know, that's small change. Yeah. But for other people, I had no means at that point to fix it. I had a choice of declaring bankruptcy or doing something about it. There were people around me. There was one guy, Greg, who's a financial planner. His name's Greg Hearn. I think he's probably one of the best mortgage brokers, financial advisors I've ever met. And he never let me go in friendship. And he rang me one day because he didn't have to. I mean, he couldn't do any business with me in getting me a house because that was never going to happen at that point. Yeah. But he said, Jen, I'm coming over. And he sat with me at my kitchen table and he spelled it all out. And he said, you've got two choices. You can declare bankruptcy or you can work your way out of it. And I just looked at him and said, I don't want to declare bankruptcy because, you know, that's just not on. And he's like, right, well, this is how you work your way out of it. And I will check in with you every couple of weeks and give me your credit cards. And I gave him my credit cards and he put them in a bowl and he put it in the freezer and he said, your credit is on freeze. (laughs) 
I love it. I just yeah. looked at her and went, are you serious? He said, you're going to have to find smarter, better ways of making money and spending money yes. than using credit. Fantastic. I'm like, great. So he was someone that, you know, was in my wheel of, of greatness that engaged with me. And then... Was he the, your call to action guy? Was he my call to action guy? I don't know. I think he was my realist. Your Everybody realist. needs a realist. Someone okay. that's dealing with the realness of your life uh-huh. and that will call you on whether you're full of it or whether that's actually a good idea. Yeah. And the, the realist is someone that really cares about you, but... What I find is they're so critical sometimes, you don't want to hear them. Yep. You don't want to be anywhere near them. But they actually care about you deeply and yes. they're usually, they don't need a hug from you, they just want you to take some action. Mm. So that was that first conversation. And then I had some other people surround me and I had some friends that, you know, just think I'm fantastic, no matter what I do. <laughs> yeah, the and fan They're club. my enthusiasts. These yeah. people love you. They think you're fantastic yeah. and you're your cheer squad. And yeah. even if you're being an idiot, they think you're fabulous. And, and these two girls came around and they grabbed me and they said, you know, we know it's not very good at the moment. Come on, we're going out. We went and sat down by the water and we all just laughed and carried on and they brought a barbecue chook and some salad and we sat there and we had some fun. And so there were a few people that started engaging back in my life because I let them. And then I rang my parents and I told them, you know, a 31-year-old divorced woman ringing her parents saying, okay, this is where I'm at. But and I bet your parents didn't judge you at all. No, I'm, they didn't. I'm sure that the fear that you would be judged was not there, was not there. It wasn't from. after I got the reality of what's actually going on. Yes, yeah. I had yeah. some other people that I engaged with first. So, you know, I rang mum and dad and I told them what was going on and, and they gave me support. My dad's my anchor in my life and my mum's the sage. The sage is someone that loves you, knows you without the mask and they see past all the stuff that you put up to the world that you hide behind and you know my mum's my sage so well she was she passed away a few years ago but when you start engaging these people you then start creating a great life and to summarize the story I started engaging with everybody around me not knowing my greatness principle in action I was just starting to do it right and what I found was I was in Alice Springs a few years ago I had two husband and wives that had bought two franchises and they were working with each other and it was all very difficult and I'd gone up there to consult to them and on the way home because the lady one of the ladies was driving me back to my hotel she said to me oh Jen you really must love your job doing what you do with people like us and I said to her I actually don't work for people like you and she said why and I said you and your husband completely ignored your children and dismissed them out of the room because you had an important meeting with me, the stranger. The other couple brought their kids over in their pyjamas because the only time you guys could all get together as four of you to talk about your business was, you know, around your kids. I'm in business because I want great families and I want great business owners that balance kids, family and business. And you guys need some sorting out so that you can actually do this. You are relying on each other to be everything for yourselves when you really need to be engaging people around you in your community to help you. Stop trying to be doing it all by yourself and stop trying to be martyrs about this and then blaming your spouse because it's not working. Oh, and she looked at me and tears were streaming down her face. Yeah. As she was driving, I'm like, do we need to stop the car? And she's like, no. And I said, I don't mean to be rude, but I see people like you all the time that are trying to make it better for their family and you're destroying the precious thing that you have. 
because you're not asking for support and getting the support around you. This conversation I had with her is before I met my husband and before I had my daughter. I was a childless woman when I was having this conversation. (laughs) But wow, I'm crying. (laughs) So you know, It's just such a powerful message. It's beautiful. I'm loving this. Thank you. The thing that I found with the greatness principle, and everyone says, you need a support team. Nobody knows what that is. Nobody knows how to build that. Where on earth do you start to get support? And if you're dealing with stuff in your life that's not very pleasant or that's embarrassing or that you're ashamed about, whether it's cash or relationships or your weight or your health, who do you start talking to to get support? And who's first? So this and what is... I've done with the greatness principle mm. is built a wheel of there's eight people around you and I've defined each of those roles so that you can sit down and go, I know someone that's that for me and I'm going to ring them up and I'm going to start having a conversation with them. Right. And I'm going to start looking for the people that are missing because people will experience bankruptcy just like I did when they have less than four active investors, greatness principle people in their life. And it's so easy to get rid of people, get rid of these investors out of your life. And I'll give you an example. Would you, would you like me to do that? Absolutely. Give us okay, an example. Okay, so let's take Sarah. She's a business owner. And if, you're, if someone's listening to this, if they're an employee and they don't own a business, just imagine you've got yourself a new job, right, as a leader of a team, the CEO, leader of your group, whatever. Sarah started with everybody supporting her. She bought the business. Everybody was in. But then... She had one of her best friends, her sage, she'd moved overseas and was not in communication with her and that was okay. You know, she had the eight others there. But then what happened? The person that was being her catalyst said something to her that really offended her. And so she stopped talking to the catalyst. I said to her, what are you doing? She said, oh, she's a liar and I think she's wrong and I'm not going to go near her. I said, no, no, you need to talk to her. She said, I'm not talking to her at all. Okay, so she lost two. No big drama. She still could run her business. Mm -hmm. But then what happened was because the catalyst had told her what she needed to know, she didn't take that advice. Her business started to trade not very well. So she started using credit and other forms of payment. So she started to get behind and she couldn't pay the butcher, the weekly meat bill. Mm-hmm. And if you know restaurants, you know, you need meat at a restaurant unless you're a vegetarian restaurant. Absolutely. So the cash flow and the business stopped flowing as well. And she was embarrassed by that. And she stopped talking to her accountant. And she pulled away from her account because she didn't want to talk about the money. She just thought if she worked harder and she worked in the business longer, that, that that would happen. Well, then what happened? She didn't have any money. So being her coach, she stopped working with me. She said, Jen, I can't afford you. I said, you can't afford not to work with me. I've got strategies to help you. She said, I can't do it. I can't pay my butcher. I can't do this. I can't afford you. So I'm just going to have to do it on my own. She's now lost four people in her wheel. Wow. Alarm bells are starting to go off. This is... She, she then had no time to catch up with her friends. Mm. None. Because she's so busy working in the business. Mm. She's looking haggard when she's in the business. She's a bit snappy to customers while she's in there. Mm. She's letting go of staff because she's an angry woman, really. Yeah. And she doesn't have her friends to balance her out. Then she loses another category of people, which I call the bystanders, which are people that don't necessarily know you, but you sort of catch up on an infrequent basis and just find out what their life is and what their story is. She didn't have any time for them. And then her best friend, who was a business owner, they were in business together and and he would review her strategies, which she didn't have any time for him either. So she was left with herself and her husband. Now, this all happened in the space of six months. Wow. And I bet the relationship fell apart. The relationship was on the edge. And like her, she faced, do I go bankrupt or 
do you not go bankrupt and do you blame the husband and do you get divorced? Right. Now, their relationship was solid. He is a beautiful man. Mm. And they had two kids. She was courageous enough to realize she'd made a mess of it and so she declared bankruptcy. Right. The reason I share this story is she didn't have to go bankrupt. The business didn't have to fall over. The career doesn't have to stop. If she'd taken responsibility for herself and realized that she was losing the key support around her, she could have done something Mm. to re-engage. She could have swallowed her pride and gone back to her catalyst and say, I think you're full of it, but you've always been good to me and I know you have my best interest at heart. Mm. Mm. Because these people all have your best interest at heart. Yeah, the courage to accept to receive support, the courage to receive. That's a big one with women, I think. But it's with men as well. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Right? You know, mm. I've, watched, I've watched my clients True. not say anything and then they finally hire a coach and I get in there and I go, this is a mess. Yeah. yeah. And, they, and I said, you know, and I've got one guy at the moment that I'm coaching and I, I'll just call him Dave, that's not his name. And I said to Dave, it was a really courageous step asking me to come and look at you and your business. And what you want to get is that you and I can figure out who else you need to start talking to in your business with your suppliers and all of these things to fix it. Yeah. Good on you because you've just saved this business from growing broke. And he looked at me and he said, if I hadn't asked you to have a look at this, Jen, it probably would have. You know what I'm hearing in all of this, Jen? You're not just saving your business, you're saving your life. I hear that story of Sarah that you were talking about. I see that in my own life and I see it in, a, in the life of a friend of mine who's very, very ill with cancer. Yep. That she was an accountant, she became a creative and she started a creative business and then she opened a retail outlet and she just did all of it herself and would not accept support, pushed away her friends because she was stressed and then got sick. And and even now that she's very, very ill and can't run her business anymore, she's still pushing people away. She's not allowing people to help her. And it's really painful to watch this. It's really painful to watch. Well, it is. And the thing is, I watched that with my mum. And my my mum turned it around because she realised, for example, if you're looking at successful people, Let's look at some people that are out there. Well, let's just take Australians, right? I know you've got a, probably a global audience. Let's take Kylie Minogue. Yep. Or Elle McPherson. Everybody yep. looks at them and thinks it's just them. It's yep. not. Yeah, it's a team. Dick Smith. Let's take sports. Steve Waugh became captain of the football team. He didn't get there by himself. Another one in a different genre. Peter Brock, one of Australia's best motor car racing drivers. You don't think he did all of that by himself, do you? <laughs> and it wasn't just his wife whichever one that was, you know what I mean? Because there was a couple, Yeah. right? There were more than just the wife doing this. Yeah. It the... is Bob Hawke as a, as a political leader. I'm not saying whether I'm for Liberal or Labor. It doesn't matter. As yeah. Bob Hawke, yeah. very charismatic leader. And mm. if you look from the outside, he looked like he did it all by himself. Yeah. He'll tell you he did it all by himself. <laughs> he probably did, but he's smart enough to know that he had the support people around Absolutely. him to get it done. Yeah. Right? And so I guess the message that I've got with this book is one, if your life isn't working or if your business isn't working, the person responsible to fix it is you. And you need to realize that there are people around you that really want to give to you. And if they don't, that it's your job to find them. It is your job to find them. And tell me, how do you find them? You've got to recognize that they're already there. Because they are around us, aren't they? They are. Even if they're not there, I had a coaching session just the other day and we did the the greatness wheel and we drew it on paper and I said, right, who's missing? 
and there were two people missing. Right. And I said to her, okay, so you need a motivator and you need some enthusiasts because she was quite negative at that point. But she was doing well, but there were some gaps missing. And I said to her, which one's easier? And she said, oh, I think the motivator would be good. I said, great, the motivator looks like this. Who inspires you in your life? Is there anybody? And we started to identify the roles and the characteristics. And I said, fine, there's no one in your life that inspires you the way that you'd like to or calls you into action. So you're going to get out there. You need to get to some social events and to some business events. And you want to start looking for this person. Okay. Hmm. And when you find them, don't be weird with them and say, you're going to be my motivator. (laughs) Because I look at you and go, what are you talking about? You're I'm number eight on the list. Book, of course, right? But you just want to spend some time with them. Mm-hmm. Take them out for a coffee, go and look at their business or go and see what they do with their work or find if they're interested in the same thing as you, whether it's sport or a hobby, and spend some time with them. But know that this person, once you've got to know them a little bit, then tell them that I'm looking for someone in my life that's going to call me into action and going to hold me a little bit accountable to what I say I'm going to do. Would you be up for that? And if they've got to know you a little bit, they'll say, sure, you're going places, you're doing something, you're great. Because guess what? You are great because mm. you're actually asking for someone else to contribute to your greatness. Mm. Now, the big one in this is sometimes people don't know how to ask someone to be one of their greatness investors. And I say to them, okay, you want someone to motivate you? Good. Go and find someone in your life that you can be a motivator to. Right. Go be that for somebody else because at the moment you don't value it. Yeah. You don't appreciate this because if you did, you'd have this person in your life. So I want you to go and find somebody that really needs to be held accountable, really needs some motivation and, and some structure around how they can achieve success in their career or in their life or in their business. I'm a mum. For the first two years of being a mum, I needed someone to help me figure that out. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, it doesn't have to be work, but go be a motivator for somebody else and experience the benefit that you get as the motivator Mm. by investing in somebody else's life. Mm. Jen, such great advice. So, Jen, now that you're a mum, you've got a two-year-old? Yes, I do. How are you finding that support, being a business? Because you're obviously busy. You've got a great business going and coping with a little one who's very demanding. How are you doing this? At the start, I must say thanks to my husband for the first 18 months of our daughter's life, I just scaled right back and I stayed at home, you know, breastfed her, played with her, did all that sort of stuff. So we had an agreement that that's what I'd do. And I became a great mum because I stayed in that motherhood Disneyland world and then found all of the people around me in that context to cause me to be great. Right, okay. Mm. The challenge that I had then was I really loved that world. And, you know, after the first year of of being a mum, I turned to my husband and said, I want to do this for another year. And he's like, okay. But yeah, when I got to about 18 months, I had people ringing me because they'd found me again. And so the transition from going from mum to businesswoman has been very interesting because I've needed to sit down and do my own work on myself and go, okay, in business, what support do I have? Running this company, what support do I have? But on the flip side, I also had to move forward and do this for our daughter Rose's benefit. Rose is too. She needs eight investors investing in her. Absolutely. 
right? Absolutely. It's not just mum and dad and that's it. She needs interaction and certain types of involvement around her. So she needs, I'm pretty much her sage and Simon, my husband, is her anchor. Who's her realist? And that is the Montessori school, her teacher there, Sarah, Yeah. right? Who's her motivator? Well, you know, we have a little boy that comes and stays with us who's part of the babysitting. Erin comes with her son. And so, you know, Rose is challenged by other kids that are around her. My grandmother, which is Rose's great-grandmother, who's 86, Polly is, is Rose's scholar and enthusiast. There's all sorts of people that Rose needs around her to be great. So that motivated me because it was like, okay, Jen, you don't have to be all of the things to your daughter anymore. You can have this one role because you're allowing her to have all of her areas filled, which gives her confidence. It gives her stability. It gives her the structure that she needs to form her independence and her ability to live her own life. Oh, that so is just... she's not dependent on me. But when someone said to me earlier on, oh, you know, you don't want Rose dependent on you. You need to make her independent. The question was, how do I do that? Yeah. So I then just took my greatness wheel and went, right, these are the roles that she needs. Who are they? I think the greatest gift you can give your children is independence. You know, I'm a firm believer of Montessori and those types of educational programs that enable the child and believe that the child at a very young age can actually figure things out and learn for themselves. Yes. So, yeah. you know, I could spend a whole day talking about that, but I won't. <laughs> yeah. So I made sure my daughter's wheel was full, and it now is, and it actually shows the results there, but it helped me with that mummy guilt. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. You know, mm. I know that this particular afternoon between two and five, she's with Erin, and that is a critical role for her development, which means that I can get on and do what I need to do, knowing that that's taken care of. This is such fantastic advice. I tell you what, I see this for mothers especially who think that they have to be the world to their children. But also for me as somebody who also coaches people and as a therapist, I think the mistake I have made in the past is I try to be a large percentage of all those people in one person's life. And you can just be one of those roles. You don't have to be all of them or most of them. So it's groundbreaking. Well, that's right. And the thing is that, you know, what I find is that people end up being really great as one or two roles. Yes, that's it. Yep. The personality type that becomes an accountant, they're very good realists and grounders. Yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. And most people don't appreciate them. But, you know, you need to appreciate that personality and that kind of person because everybody needs them. Mm. So as a counsellor, like you've just said, you'll find that you're a great bystander or you're a great catalyst, but you don't have to be there for everybody else. And it's actually healthy for your client to fill those roles. And you can help them fill those roles by encouraging them to say, I think you need an anchor in your life. Here's the definition of what an anchor is. Go yes. find one. Right? Yeah, exactly right. And I have been exposed to people that have got drug and alcohol addictions and I've been looking from a distance this person's turning their life around and I've been watching how the greatness principle actually works with that Mm. and I've been supporting my friend going through this saying okay I think they now need a motivator go get that I think they now need this person go get that let's start rebuilding this so I actually didn't have to be in it to actually make a difference because One of the things I really would like to share with your listeners is that in my view of the world, the days are gone when we can look at somebody in their life or in their business and go, oh, what a shame it didn't work. That's rubbish. 
We are all responsible. If we've got eight people surrounding us in our greatness wheel, then if someone in our life is falling over or their business isn't working, then you can do something about it. And you can go and step up and stand up in front of them and say, right, you know, and you say to yourself, I'm going to be their realist because someone needs to tell them how it is. Or I'm going to motivate them out of it. Or I'm going to be the anchor and stand strong and believe in this person so much that it inspires them to move. Or I'm going to be a bystander to this person. I'm going to take them out for coffee and I'm just going to let them tell everything that's going on and listen to it just so that they get it out. Or I'm going to be the enthusiast and I'm going to sit there and cheer and go, you're fantastic. (laughs) I know it feels really bad right now, but you're fantastic. Or I'm going to be the scholar and I'm going to give them strategies and ideas that normally people would pay me for, but I'm just going to give it to them because they need it. Because it's the right thing to do. And if we started doing that as individuals with our families and people in our family and our friends network, and then in a greater community around that, then we would all be supporting each other in ways that actually would be beneficial without actually taking anything away from yourself. But people need to take responsibility for their life. And I think we need to take an active responsibility for people taking responsibility in their life. Oh, boy, are you good. I'm speechless and I'm never speechless. <laughs> you are so hot, girl, I tell you. Okay. <laughs> I'm not trying to be hot. I'm blown I'm away. Not. I speak to passionate people and, and your passion and you're, oh, you're blowing me away, really. Jen, what are the eight roles that people should go out there and look for? Okay, so the first one is the sage. This is someone that's known you for quite some time have known you since you were a kid or have known you since you've been a teenager. You might not be in contact with this person, that's fine. But they really are someone that knows you without your mask on. And it might just be getting onto Facebook or getting onto reunion.com or whatever it is and checking out some of the people that you were friends with when you were younger. Yeah. I went to my reunion (laughs) from primary school and there was a man there, but he was a boy, Andrew, and he wasn't any different at all. (laughs) From when he was a kid. Yeah, and he was standing there with his girlfriend and I thought, I know who this man is. And he was saying, oh, I'm this and I'm this and I'm this. And I'm thinking, no, you're not. (laughs) (laughs) But someone who's known you for a long time. Then the next one is what I call the realist or the grounder. And that's someone that's just going to tell it to you as it is. Yeah. They actually take pride in telling you how it is because they feel it's their duty to tell you that. So if someone's giving you the honest truth, try not to be upset with them or angry with them and realize that they're actually one of your biggest fans and one of your biggest investors. That's so true. So true. Okay. Mm. It's hard to do that sometimes. And mm. then there's the anchor. And I like the anchor. My dad's my anchor. Imagine in your life this big burly bloke with a big rope tied around his waist hanging on to the end of a tug of war. That's your anchor. This person believes in you and has expectation about you and their support in you is completely unshakable. Yeah. I love Love them. Yeah, I love that. Really, if you've got an anchor in your life and your life is not working or your business isn't working, if your anchor is present, it's all savable. It's all fixable. Yeah. Then there's the motivator. So that's a coach, someone that knows your goals and dreams and stretches you. Take Biggest Loser, for example, and you've got Commando and Michelle. And that's your motivator. That's someone that calls you to do stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your bystanders, they're people that observe your life and your journey. It's a bit like when you come to see them, they're sitting there with a bowl of chips and the, the big slurpy drink and they're watching your life as a movie. And they're so just sitting would, there going, wow, really? Wow. So with the bystanders, would they be people like your friends and family or? Oh, yeah. Yep. 
people that have an active interest in you, but they're, whatever your decisions are in your life that you're making, they don't have an impact on the bystander. Okay, so there's someone that's removed, emotionally removed from your... Yes, you know, these people they're, loved you. They're like the witness. They're watching you, but they're not invested emotionally not, in the decisions they're that you're not make. Emo- they're, No, they're yeah. not emotionally invested mm-hmm. in you, mm-hmm. but they are invested by connection. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. the bystander role is very interesting. You share what's going on with you, you update them, you, you catch up with a bystander and they go, so what's happened in the last six months? And you say it all and then you finish and they go, gee, that's interesting. And they learn something out of what you've shared. Mm -hmm. And then they'll tell you what's happened to them over the last six months. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. And then you learn out of some of the things that they've shared. The exchange is finished and you go separate ways and you really don't think about them anymore until you see them again. Until you see them again. It's interesting there's a line in the movie that says that you need someone to witness your life. They're sort of watching it, like the audience. <laughs> they are, but I would suggest to you that all of your greatness investors, they're all witnessing They're all your life. witnessing your life. Okay. This one doesn't have an impact. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. The same way as everybody else. Yep. And, and mm-hmm. that's really good because you can have a number of people in a number of areas who will give you advice and share their experience. They don't care whether you take it or not because they like you and they'll catch up with you later to find out the next chapter. Chapter. Mm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the next chapter. Mm. Okay, so then you've got your catalyst. And these people cause you to grow and be better. And they'll either be a negative charge to you, really, if you're sitting around and you're thinking about people that you don't like or can't stand, they're a good catalyst. <laughs> they're your catalyst. And then there are other people that every time you're near them and you listen to them or talk with them and you go away, then you're in action. They haven't told you to do anything. That's just who they're being has caused you to be in action. Yep. Then they're a catalyst as well. Yep. Then there's your scholar or your strategist. And these people love ideas. My scholar is a lady by the name of Claire. Claire is an amazing businesswoman in Bendigo. Her name's Claire Fountain. And she runs a business called Get Sorted. And she it. has been on the president of Heart Kids Victoria. So she does a lot of stuff with community. She does a lot of stuff in organising and sorting businesses out. That's her business. When I was, was living in the country, I'd say to Claire, look, I'm thinking of doing this or I'm thinking of moving back to Sydney. She's like, oh, that's interesting. And then three days later, she came over and she said, Jen, I need to talk to you. I said, oh, yeah, what's that, Claire? And she said, you know how you said you were going to move to Sydney? I'm like, yeah. She said, well, I've been thinking about that for the last three days and I haven't had much sleep. And I looked at her and went, are you serious? She said, actually, you need to consider this and this and this and this and this. And she just kept going. I said to her, Claire, you have spent all of this mental capacity and time thinking about me and my life and the consequences of that thought. And she said, yeah, I care about you. I need you to make sure that you've thought it through. Yeah. The eighth one is the enthusiast. The enthusiast is the fan club, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they are the fanatical fans. Yeah, fanatical Even fans. when you're a goose and you've done something stupid or wrong, they don't care. They just think you're fantastic. <laughs> And how do you ask someone to be your fan? Can you be my fan or do you just identify them? And you... No, you don't ask people to be an enthusiast. Yeah. You just have a look around yeah. and who's always there going, geez, you're great. You're fantastic. Yeah. And you think, no, I'm not. They identify themselves. They do. It's a bit yeah. like at a football game or a sporting game. The enthusiasts come in the colours of the club. They've <laughs> painted their face. Yeah. They're wearing tinsel wigs of the colour of the club. They stand out. They do stand out, so you can identify them. And so when you do identify these people that are playing these roles in your life, do you go up to them and say, you are this to me, or...? Well, you can, absolutely. You don't keep it to yourself, like, oh, these are who these people are to me. 
Look, no, you don't. And, and I guess that's why I wanted to get this book out so that people could share it because once people start doing this, then there's an active awareness around we're not just having a relationship. There's a real function and structure and, and result that both of us get out of this. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. you can see these things. Oh, people are in our life for a, a reason, a season and a lifetime. Yeah, that's good. But I'm interested in what's the relationship you're having with people right now? And how could you make it better? How could you invest in someone else? How can they invest in you? It's active participation in the relationship rather than just having people around you. Mm -hmm. And when you start doing that, and I've watched my clients, when they start actively engaging in the relationships around them, everybody, everybody in their wheel moves to another level. Yes, absolutely. People talk about community, but it's really what being a part of a community and a family and, and feeling connected and being one, it's really what it's all about, isn't it? Well, it is. I grew up in a family where there were six of us. There were four kids and mum and dad, and we all had a role. And based on our personalities, we expressed ourselves a certain way in the family as well. And so what was really interesting is when mum died and we were at the hospital, we all have our own lives and our own partners and husbands and kids and life and stuff. And yet when we came back to the core family, we all adopted our original roles. It's interesting, isn't it? And Jen was doing something and Kate was going off and doing something else and Pete was, you know, pulling people together and Brad was sort of listening to all of the emotions that were going on and Dad was doing this and and there was Mum. And we all had our roles, which meant that the family unit functioned. We were great. And Mm -hmm. so I guess I'm drawing upon that unsaid, unspoken structure that is successful and works, that causes a great family. You know, when I say a great family, we still argued with each other. We still had sibling rivalry, but it was a great functioning family. And you can apply that to your life so that the people around you know the role. You can appreciate people in your life. You can actually say, you're my strength, and that means this to me. And this is what you do that makes that happen, you know. Mm You're one of my biggest enthusiasts and what that means to me is this and you can acknowledge the people around you for the time, the energy, the thought, the investment that they're making in you because they are Mm. and you can do it for others. Yeah, absolutely. Acknowledging people is so important, especially in families. It's just so important. This is your great eight. This is your personal greatness support. And if everybody were to look at that themselves, I personally think the world would be a much different place because there would be no way we could blame anybody else for our lives not being great. Oh, Jen, again, I just want to say it's been such an honour to talk with you today. You've given me huge amounts of inspiration and I hope our listeners are benefiting from this conversation as much as I am. <laughs> Jen, the yes. book, the book, the book. <laughs> Have you finished it yet? Can we get our hands? Because I can't wait to get my hands on a copy. Uh, really, I can't wait to get my hands on a copy. Is it out there yet? It's not out there yet. We're finalising the last bits and pieces of it. We're looking to have it available on the 12th of October. Fantastic. And the name of the book? The book is called The Greatness Principle. Fantastic. The Greatness Principle. You have been a wealth of information this morning. Thank you so much for coming on Accentuate the Positive Radio. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. (laughs) It's been such a joy. And where can people find out more about you and connect with you? Oh, um, they can find out more about me at jenharwood.com. Okay. So J-E-N-H-A-R-W-O-O-D.com. So I'm on Facebook and I'm on LinkedIn. So if you're a Facebook user and you want to connect with Jen, Jen Harwood on Facebook? Yeah, Jen Harwood Direct. There's a page there. Or you can send me an email. I like talking to people. So jen at jenharwood.com will come straight through. There you go. Jen at jenharwood.com. 
<laughs> well, look, thanks for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure. I, I think you can tell I'm passionate about this because this is something I am looking for that we change the conversation that people are having. So your listeners have heard the very first interview <laughs> on the greatness principle and it started here in Australia. <laughs> it all started here <laughs> on ATP Radio. <laughs> Remember that. It all started here. <laughs> Absolutely, no doubt about it. This is global stuff. I can see you on Oprah. Thank you. Well, I I really look forward to doing it because if we do, and there are people out there that can hear this and do this and change their lives and their business, the world's going to be spectacular. Yeah, definitely. Thanks again, Jen. Bye for now. You're welcome. Bye. Bye. The simply inspirational Jen Harwood author of The Greatness Principle. If you're a subscriber of FM 99.3 and you'd be interested in being on the pre-order list to receive the first book hot off the press, give me a call on 94196969 and when they're released, she's hoping to have them released by early October, she'll send you a copy of The Greatness Principle. You're with Karen accentuating the positive on FM 99.3.